0: Strengthen your Christian life. Next on Leading the Way.
1: The reason we have so many non-discerning Christians today, the reason we have people who are so mixed up in their biblical knowledge, the reason we have so many Christians who accomplish nothing for God is because they have no defined purpose in their Christian life.
0: Welcome to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef giving you a challenge to experience identity transformation as you deepen your walk with Christ. Today, Dr. Yusuf reveals 3 things that will happen when you set your purpose in life to glorify the heavenly Father. Right now, Dr. Yusuf is ready to begin today's teaching.
1: I want to begin by asking you, have you, each of you whether you're young or old, it doesn't matter, have you sat down whether you wrote it down or shared it with others, the purpose of your life. What is the purpose of your life? Years ago, there was a, a fine senator from Pennsylvania by the name of Dwight Morrow, and he got on the train going home to Philadelphia, and um, the conductor asked him for the ticket, so he began to search, in the stop coat, and pockets, and the jacket, and a uh, his trousers, and he was kept looking for the ticket. Finally, the conductor said, Senator, we know you have a ticket. Don't worry about it. You can mail it to the Philadelphia Railway. But he kept searching. He kept searching for the ticket, uh, frantically. And the conductor said, Sir, I told you, I, I know you have a ticket. Don't worry about it. He said, Sir, I need to find my ticket to know where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> the reason we have so many confused Christians today, the reason we have so many non-discerning Christians today, the reason we have people who are so mixed up in their biblical knowledge, the reason we have so many aimless Christians today, the reason we have so many Christians who accomplish nothing for God is because they have no defined purpose in their Christian life. They touch no lives. They change no situation. They impact no one. They achieve no results. They flounder around from church to church and accomplish nothing. Now, I want to plead with you from the Word of God is to discover your purpose in life, is to discover your purpose in Christ, that you discover your vision for Christ and you don't have one, ask Him, He will give you one to define your aim and make it clear, share it with others so they can hold you accountable to it. And the Word of God tells us, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 to 6, that we must know our purpose just like Jesus did. Jesus not only knew His purpose, but He stayed the course. (laughs) Beloved, as you know, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, more and more In America today, we are having churches that are not the body of Christ. More and more, we're having churches that are entertainment center, with the spectators in the pews and the performers up front on the stage. Beloved, that is not what Jesus intended for His church to be. This is not the church that seeks to imitate Christ That is not the church, that is the body of Christ where every part, every member is working together in unison so that it may be a healthy, functioning, impacting body of Christ. Look with me at what Peter is saying. See, when your purpose in life is to glorify God, the overall purpose in your Christian life is to glorify God, three things will happen. Three things, write them down if you're taking notes. You will become mentally prepared for whatever the world throws at you, verse 1. Secondly, you'll be spiritually powerful to resist temptations, whatever they may be. And thirdly, you will be approved by the Lord on that final day, the day of accountability. Not the day of judgment, but the day of accountability. Put it another way, mentally prepared, spiritually powerful, and ultimately approved. Let's look at the first one. When your purpose is defined in your Christian walk, and it is to bring glory to Jesus, to please Him in every way, you will know exactly where you're going and you know when you get there. Think with me for a moment. A football player has one purpose in mind, and that is to head in a certain direction and to score a touchdown, right? If you're a soccer player, you have one purpose, and that is to head in a certain direction and score a goal. If you're a basketball player, you have one purpose in mind, and that is to put that ball in the basket. You see, that purpose is very clear in the player. And when the purpose is clear, you'll be able to distinguish between your teammates who would help you accomplish your goal and the opposing team that want to detract you the opposing team who want to stop you from accomplishing your purpose. See, that way the player is mentally prepared for the opposition as well as for those who help him. That way the player is mentally prepared for the detractors. (laughs) You see, that way he is mentally prepared to face whatever is coming his way. But he's also prepared for victory. Amen? Look at verse 1. Arm yourself. This is a a military term. Arm yourself with the same attitude as Jesus. You see, Jesus' purpose for which He left heaven and came is the cross, right? He had one goal. That's the cross. The Bible said that He set His face toward Jerusalem like a flint that He's going to cut all the way through the gibberish to get there. Even the projection of pain of the cross, even the anticipation of the horrors of the cross, even the expected suffering of that moment of separation from the Father for the first time since eternity, even the awaiting agony... Even the expectation, the fact that Peter was going to deny him, all of the disciples are going to forsake him, all of that did not deter him from accomplishing his purpose and the purpose of the Father for him. One of my favorite songs is, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back this song was written in India, not in the West. And the man who wrote it lived in a pagan village called Gairo, or Jaro. It's in the district in the province of Assam in northeast India. It was a total pagan village, and he was the first believer with his family in that whole village. And when the village chief heard that this man is worshiping Jesus and Jesus alone, he came to him and he said, if you don't stop worshiping Jesus, we're going to kill you and your family. So he sat down and wrote the first stanza. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And so they came before his eyes and they killed his children. At that moment, he wrote the second stanza. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. And so, in anger, they killed his wife in front of him. And then he sat down and he wrote the third stanza. Though none go with me, still I'll follow. No turning back, no turning back. After the man himself was killed, the village chief came under severe conviction for what he had done, and he became a believer in Jesus. His family believed in Jesus. The entire village turned to Jesus, and on a nightly basis the village gathers and they sang, I have decided to follow Jesus. (laughs) You talk about being mentally prepared, regardless of the cost. And Peter is saying to us that because Christ died on the cross, he made sin to be defeatable. He made sin to be overcomeable. He made sin to be destroyable. I know I'm making up words, but that's all right. You'll understand what I mean. For most of us probably will never suffer like this, will never get killed for our faith, never be tortured like they do in Iraq and in Syria and many other parts of the world. Oh, but you may experience scorn of some, you may experience the misunderstanding on the part of many. You may experience questioning of your pure motive. And so Peter is telling us, during those times, during those times, arm yourself with the power of Christ's cross. Arm yourself with the power of the cross. And know many of us have GPS, a global positioning system, And it tells you within feet of whether you got to your destination or not. And beloved, I want to tell you, when you set your purpose in life to glorify Jesus and to please Jesus above all else, your GPS system, the Holy Spirit is going to guide you. He's going to lead you. He's going to direct you. And even when you veer off course, you're going to be hearing the Holy Spirit saying, recalculating, 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 amen. Amen. And He'll bring you back to your destination. You'll be mentally prepared. Secondly, you'll be spiritually powerful to resist the old way of life, to resist past sins, to resist any temptation that might be thrown at you. You see, when you set your purpose on pleasing the Lord, and not self, or anybody else for that matter, you're going to find it easier to resist temptation. I'm testifying now. The Bible tells us that after you come to Christ, when you surrender your life to Him, when Jesus becomes the Savior of your soul and the Lord of your life, there are three powerful enemies that conspire together in order to impact you. The world, the flesh, and the devil, three powerful enemies. The world system, the old nature, and the devil himself. These forces can never take away your salvation. No force, no one shall separate us from the love of God. No force can take away your salvation. So what do they do? They do the second worst thing to us, and that is to render us ineffective for Christ, to neutralize our spiritual power, to hinder our spiritual progress, to slow down our identity transformation. And Peter knows all about this because when they conspired against him and he fell for it, he knows exactly what he's talking about. When these powerful enemies conspired and caused him to deny his master and his Lord Jesus three times, when they tempted him and he fell in that temptation, he was restored. He was forgiven. Had Peter not been restored and renewed and renewed his purpose to glorify Jesus. The 3,000 people who came to the Lord on the day of Pentecost may not have happened. I don't know, God is sovereign, but I'm telling you, they would not be used. The great things that the Apostle Peter accomplished, a fisherman... He didn't have any degrees. <laughs> he was a fisherman. And the way God used him uh, mightily, those things, the great use of God of him, would have been neutralized had he stayed back in his sin. Himirat, please. I have never, never met a spiritually powerful believer who's continuously rehashing old sins. And Paul affirms what Peter said here in Philippians chapter three. He affirms it. This is the man who killed Christians, this is the man who put them in prison. This is the man who persecuted Christians. I mean, he could have had that tape recorder going, Paul, you can't be used, you can't be used, because of your sin, you can't be used. But here's what he said in the Philippians three: he said, forgetting what's lay behind, and I strain forward to what lays ahead. The Lord Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 10, verses 41 and 42. Listen to what he said to Martha. He said, Martha, you are worried and bothered about too many things. But there's one thing is needful. One thing is needful. One thing. Every time you find yourself going back into your memory bank of past sins, and you dwell there, that's the secret word, and dwell there, you're going to find that you have no spiritual power. Every time you wander into forbidden territories and stay there, that's the secret word, you stay there, you will find that your spiritual power is being neutralized. A preacher from yesteryear, one of many that I admire, said that the Apostle Paul said, one thing I do. He said, today the average Christian says, here are 50 things I dabble in. He said, today's believers are like butterflies. They flit about, looking at this and looking at that and become deeply concerned about nothing. End of the quote. Beloved, when you are scattered in every direction, when your priorities are out of kilter, When pleasing self takes front and center trumps pleasing God. When our purpose is not defined, when you flit from one thing to another, when you have divided mind, you are going to accomplish very little for God. No wonder the psalmist said, unite my heart, unite my heart in the fear of you. He's saying, unite my purpose to please you. Unite my life's goal for the glory of Jesus. Unite my thought and action to serve only you. I want to tell you why this is important. If you don't get on now with the purpose of glorifying Jesus in your life, let everything in your life focus on that. You're going to end up with regret at the end of the road. But I want to tell you today, as long as you have breath, it is not too late. It is not too late. It's not too late. I was thinking about this, and I thought of something that is, that you find in the Chester Cathedral out in England. It's an old clock. And underneath it, the following words were written. When as a child... I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth I waxed more bold, time strolled. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. When older still I daily grew, time flew. Soon I shall find in passing on, time gone. O Christ... Well, thou hast saved me then. Amen. End of the court. When you have a life-defined purpose, and it is the glory of Jesus and the praise of Jesus and the pleasing of Jesus, you will have the mental ability, mental power, and you'll be mentally prepared. Secondly, you'll be spiritually powerful to overcome any temptation. Thirdly and finally, you'll be approved by our Lord on the day of accountability. Verse 6, Peter is saying that the time to believe is now. The time to be saved is now. The time to give is now. The time to love is now. The time to glorify God is now. The time to invest your life is now. The time to fulfill God's purpose for you is now. Why? Because once you close your eyes in death, it will be too late. Hebrews chapter 9, 27 says that man is destined to die once. After that, he faces judgment. Psalm 115 verse 17 says, can the dead praise you? Question, why must I spend my days to please the Lord? Why should that be at the forefront of everything that I do in life? Why must my life purpose be glorifying the Lord? (laughs) Why should I invest the resources that He has placed in my hands for His work? Why do I need to make an impact for His kingdom now? Well, first, which is the obvious answer, It's in gratitude, it's in thanksgiving, in deep appreciation for saving me, for redeeming me, for dying on a cross for me, for paying the penalty and the wages of my sins, and for blessing me abundantly. Listen to me, the poorest among us is better off than 95% of the world population. Secondly, Peter is saying that because each of us will be held accountable for managing of our lives, with all its facets, not just one area, every facet of life. You see, those who have rejected Jesus as the only Savior and Lord, those who refuse to believe Him and receive Him and and crown Him Lord of life, they're going to face judgment. They're going to be in a place of torment and pain and agony, and they rejected Jesus. That's the judgment for those who don't know Jesus. But for those of us who know Jesus and claim to love Jesus… We escaped from that judgment. We're not going to face that judgment. Oh, but the Bible said we're going to have a day of accountability. We are going to give an account for every idle word that is spoken. Think about that. Think about the things you say that may hurt other people. We're going to be held accountable for every idle hour that we've littered away. We'll be held accountable for every gift that He has given us and we wasted. We're going to be held accountable for squandering the treasures that we received. We will be held accountable for whether we have lived for self or lived for Him who died for us. Question for us who know the Lord is this and will be this. Did you live a life that is glorifying to God? Did you invest in the kingdom of God? Did you care more about Jesus' reputation than yours? Did you promote His purpose in your life or yours? (laughs) Did you have ambitions for God or you? Did you, did you, did you? As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul makes it very clear that it would be like fire. How we lived for Christ will be like a fire. If how you lived for Christ is for His glory, it's going to be like gold It's going to shine when it hits the fire. But it's for self. It's going to be like hay. Light a match to hay and see what happens. You have nothing left but soot. You know the Lord. He redeemed you. And I know in your heart you're grateful for redemption. You're grateful for salvation. You know you're greatly blessed and you're grateful for his blessings. But how did you translate that gratitude into action?
0: Thanks for joining Dr. Michael Youssef for today's Leading the Way. Learn more about the worldwide impact when you speak to a ministry representative at one 133 589 or visit us at ltw.org. Thank you for joining us today. Do take a moment to listen again next time. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf. Dr. Yusuf is the founding pastor of the Church of the Apostles. If you travel to the Atlanta area, please worship at the Church of the Apostles.